0: Um, But I'm just going to do the quick intro and we'll start rapping. So, you know, and I mean, by rapping, I mean
1: talking. (laughs) I watch you rap. Yeah. Feel (laughs) free. I'm not rapping.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Hello, everybody. Shane Douglas Keene here. I am with my partners in crime, Beverly Lee and Steph Ellis. Um, And today uh, we are joined by... A person who is bound to prove to you that I'm not all about British ladies. Um,
2: <laughs>
0: it is uh we are talking to Chad Lettsky today, um, author mm-hmm. of uh of Foster Homes and Flies, um, Wormwood, which was with uh he's gonna hate my guts.
3: Tim that?
0: Tim Meyer, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Tim. I read it.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um and uh the brand new novella that we're talking about today uh cannibal creator um chad welcome
1: hey i really appreciate you guys having me on this is awesome
0: um it's good to talk to you again it's been a long time i think i missed the last time on enkeist um and uh but yeah uh tell us a little bit about yourself for the listeners who have never heard of you
1: uh i just i write dark fiction and um I try to not be, you know, pigeonholed in one thing. And, and I've done a lot of experimental stuff. Not, not experimental, like, uh, experimental, experimental for me and outside of my, you know, stuff, like with the Neon Owl and, uh, Cannibal Creator, uh, Same Deep Waters You and Slow Burn on Riverside, Skull Face Boy. They're all, you know, different and, yeah. and, uh, dark in their own ways. And then, you know, with the uh, Foster Homes and Flies and Stirring the Sheets and Wallflower, those are more, you know i like to I like to mainly write like uh, real life horror, I guess things that could really happen or are happening um, with the exception of some short stories. I usually stay away from supernatural stuff. Um, i I like to read some of it. I like to watch the movies, but personally i don't uh, I don't know I don't know if it's I don't have interest in in actually writing it
0: I find uh all of it entertaining um but uh the real life stories tend to be a lot scarier to me
1: i think so Um, yeah for me too
0: i think you know a lot of that has to do with growing up in a city you know around real life people and real life people are pretty fucking scary as a general rule
2: so
1: yeah (laughs) yeah they can be uh... yeah
2: it's always more scary when the when the monsters are human anyway though isn't it because you can almost see the scenario playing out in front of you yeah
1: they're pretty unpredictable
0: um, it's I am going to get a spoiler out of the way so everybody listening this will take me 15 seconds and it slightly spoils the end of chapter 6 which I read night before last I think um, but I just have to say at the end of chapter 6 I was thinking if I'm Kevin I want to die right now in this crash I do not want to survive <laughs> <laughs> just because you know the two two things said to him right at the end of that chapter <laughs> it's like oh dude oh yeah yeah, so yeah yeah yeah.
1: <laughs> i know what you're talking about now yeah
0: yeah spoiler over <laughs> minor one anyway it says right on the cover that you're gonna strand
1: him, so <laughs> yeah
3: going back to what you said just now that you write all sorts of different um styles yeah. and you experiment a lot do you find that some people actually want you to stick to one particular style Oh, I love this. When are you going to write more of it? Do you find it hard to react against that and just keep going your own way? Or are you happy that everybody expects all sorts of things from you now?
1: Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I think that everybody is kind of different. I, I do have a great readership where a lot of people, it doesn't really matter. Um, They, they kind of stick with me. There's been a couple of books where, Uh, three probably in particular where they're like, man, I'm not so sure about this. Like stirring the sheets would be one, you know, I don't want to really read about necrophilia. Well, guess what? It's, it's has nothing to do with that. I understand why you would think that, but, and so they kind of trust me through that, read that same with the pale white. I don't know if I want to get into this whole sexual abuse thing. Um, and it's suggested it's not, I'm not into, you know, writing extreme stuff or there's no sense in making that story into something that's that kind of stuff is out there. It doesn't interest me to write it. And then uh, with Cannibal Creator, too, it's like I didn't really want to write extreme. And I wanted to add, you know, like what uh, Shane alluded to, that extra drama in there, you know, where you've got more than just hack and slash stuff going on. But uh, I don't I, I don't know that um, some some of the readers just kind of the reason why I brought that up is is because some of the readers uh, trust me to know that that. You know, whatever it is I'm going to do, they 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 think they're probably going to enjoy, but not everybody does that. There's been a couple books that I can tell that people are probably judging the title and maybe the cover, mm-hmm. and then going, I don't know, like Skullface Boy comes to mind. I don't know if I'd really like that, but then when they read it, um, that's one of my most loved mm-hmm. things. For the people who have given it a chance, I think that they think it's something else that it's not, and that's okay. Um, I mean, we we all do that. But um, I don't I, I don't know that um I don't really pay attention to what people would like to see me. I, I think the main consensus would they would like to maybe see something long one day longer, you know, like novel length, which I don't know, honestly, that I have that in me. I, that's not really my writing style. So to take something the way I write and make it real long would be uh it would feel like. I would have to pad a lot and it mm-hmm. would just mm-hmm. feel like maybe not me yeah um because really, i've tried but yeah
0: yeah i think it would uh your pacing i don't know if you're it the way you pace your stories would apply well to a real long you know what i mean yeah. i mean your, your stories are all even your quietest stories that i've read are extremely fast-paced yeah you know well well suited to short story or novel or novella rather you know
1: yeah so and i think that has to everything to do with you know we normally uh create something that we want to see read here watch whatever um and that's what i've been doing and i'm not a even though i'm a huge stephen king fan i'm not a fan of the three or four hundred pages in it that didn't need to be there well, you know no, no that kind of stuff so i i can't um it's just not in me so just descriptions for example i yeah. any one of my nearly any one of my my characters could be black could be white could be mexican i just don't i don't go into that kind of thing unless it's really asked. and i'm not like bashing anyone who does that kind of thing but sometimes it's shoehorned in there you know i looked in the mirror at my blue eyes and ran my hand through my blonde hair yeah i hate that yeah
0: (laughs) i mean i don't hate it but it's not for me i'm not a big fan of that you know
1: Um, yeah i don't really like that but works for some people i guess
3: so writing at that sort of length, how many novellas do you normally expect to write in a year? What's your sort of writing pace?
1: Um well, I you know it, I I don't know. Sometimes I'll just get an idea and I have no idea it's going to come out. Like I didn't get I had no intention of writing Cannibal Creator. Didn't have the idea or whatever until late October. And then now it's already out and it's it could I could have put it out in December. Wow. Um you know, I just I thought of an idea. I made a I made the book cover before I even wrote a word. And then because um, I tend to do that, I, I like the, the artistic side of me starts to get really anxious. And uh, I, I like to, you know, there was an artist that I wanted to use, but they wanted like eight hundred dollars. I was like, man, I cannot afford that. I'll just make yeah. it myself. Yeah. So I think it turned out great for what I wanted it to be. Um, I, I'm not comfortable with making all of my covers, but if I think the cover suits the inside and gives sets the tone that i want then then i'll do it but the uh gosh i'm I'm wandering from your question uh but i I would say that um like next this year i have at least three more books coming out but those are all written and i will probably write at least three more um i don't know that they'll be out that that all depends on whether something is self-published the three that i'm talking to or talking about is they're none of them are self-published and then I have one actually sitting at Tour Nightfire for today is day number two hundred and four that they've um. had it. And if they don't want it, um, <laughs> I don't really want anybody else to have it, so I'll probably just put it out myself. And if that's the case, that will be out this year too. So that's kind of like my fourth.
2: Yeah,
3: see, so you were in that um, Tour Nightfire the open call that they the did. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I I did that last year and. Yeah. I was sort of number two or three for months and months. And then when the nine months were up, I was rejected. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was a horrible wait.
1: <laughs> yeah, it really is. Yeah. They said that it may take nine months and I'm it
3: like,
1: <laughs> I'm like number 94 right now.
3: Yeah. And
1: I know that doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot because I've worked with, um, uh, reading slush for magazines and stuff using like the, the platform or the thing that they, that they have there. So I know that doesn't necessarily mean anything. For all I know, they could have read it and they're 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 sitting on it because that in progress thing means either they haven't gotten to it or they have and they haven't decided.
2: And they're leaving it where it is, yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: But then I've had those ones where I went from being two hundredth in line to being rejected in like you
1: know thirty seconds flat. (laughs) Yeah, it's like what's worse? It's like, dang, was it that bad that you? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like,
0: well, that was fast. Um but actually, I prefer that. I prefer quick rejections and acceptances over.
1: it would be nicer, man, because mm-hmm. you know i'm I'll be fifty two next month and I don't uh-huh. want to sit around waiting for uh you know a year for somebody to say uh-huh. yay or nay so mm-hmm. um i mean that that doesn't mean i've I've stopped writing, but that's one of the reasons why i self i choose to self publish most yeah. of my stuff anyway- uh,
3: t- yeah time's running out for me as well. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm sitting here, I'm sitting here facing sixty down and not feeling sorry.
3: We'll all
2: join in on that. None of us are getting any
3: (laughs) younger. Going back to um, Cannibal Creator with your cover, I saw you modelling an apron as well. Yeah. Yeah. Have you you got oven gloves to go with it?
1: (laughs) I've got no. It's I. It's something that I made for uh, giveaway to help you know. Yes. uh, Encourage people to you know buy the book and to spread the word and stuff. And I'll be drawing a name on the 21st. Oh, and cool. um, yeah, I, I I wanted to think of something. You know, some people have. I know Michael Clark has done some great things when he first put his first book out. And he put he puts plastic flies in the packaging and he got all yeah. this cool swag and stuff. That stuff is so cool. I don't have like a ton of. I I know Mike spent a lot of money on that kind of stuff. I don't have that kind of money to do that. But I thought. If I could think of something that's kind of like fits the theme of like cannibalism, something that's like, you know, uh, kind of humorous, and I thought ape at a barbecue apron, man, yes, I got it. I'll do that. <laughs> yeah. And
3: then then that's... a vegan or a vegetarian will win.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, they'll just they'll wear it ironically. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah,
0: maybe maybe send them some recipes too like uh the iconic uh, off season when it comes to cannibal novels. I thought <laughs> of,
1: I thought of doing recipes. different things like that like throwing yeah. a a recipe at the back of the book for, you know, just some kind of novelty thing or yeah, maybe a bookmark <laughs> that had the cover on one side and a recipe for something on the on the back, you know, just be <laughs> slap <simple>. Blast. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think, uh, before I forget, going back to um, talking about uh, the uniqueness of each thing you do, you know, including um, cannibal creator. um, I think being an indie is a good place to be when you're that kind of writer, because I think largely readers find their way to indie fiction because they're looking for something other than you know what's behind the shiny flashy color cover that looks like yeah. somebody a photograph of something you know um mm-hmm. they're they're looking for that new spark of creativity you know something that takes their minds in something other than the same old direction so
1: yeah
0: um, not that i'm uh, you know i mean i lost my train of thought there but basically i just um was wondering as you approach those things like that, is that something that's really at the front of your mind or does it just happen, you know, when you when you take those stories, um, like Cannibal Creator and add your own little bit of flair to it and your own uh take on it, you know, that's is that just a natural part of your writing style, you think?
1: Uh yeah. Well, for the most part, I try to only do stuff that is absolutely original like i know there's nothing like this like a foster homes and flies um you know there's nothing like that i'm sure there's some stuff that's closer to like maybe stirring the sheets but not quite that heartfelt or not that quite innocent you know that innocent um or skull face boy or something so i try to try to be as rigid as original as i can and but there are times where i want to delve into something like wallflower i wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily consider as being something truly original um -hmm. i like it i like it the way it's written and it's gotten really good reception but i don't you know we've all seen that you know watching someone you know go downhill on drugs it's nothing new this is just the way that i do i did it and so i like to also mess with stuff like that too to to put my own stamp on it and that's why i did cannibal creator to like i like the italian horror uh, films from cannibal films from the 70s and 80s, and so I thought I'll do my own thing, but like book format, and but I'll make it totally different. So it's the same, but it's not at all the same. Uh, mm-hmm. I like to do that kind of thing. There are a couple subgenres that I would like to do the same thing. One would be like haunted house, but um which has been done a, a gazillion times. But I would really have to come up with something truly unique before i decided that i was going to tackle that because i wouldn't just want another uh haunted house i would want something to be like uh, tim meyers switch house comes to mind as being something truly original you know um that's a really original concept um have doing a slasher uh is another one that i would like to do because i like the cheesy slasher films and um So if I can come up with a, uh, you know, original concept or at least least one, not necessarily original, but that's fun. It's like, yeah, you might be getting the same thing, but this is a lot of fun from beginning to end. And um, speaking of Tim, you know, Tim and I have been talking about this, doing this another book together for the past like year and a half. And we're constantly, you know, we're narrowing things down. Um, We haven't like have been having meetings like we were with Wormwood, but. We just occasionally throw what about this in the book, and what about this, and so we're getting closer to maybe starting something, and it, it would be a slasher.
3: Can I ask? Uh, how I sorry, how no, can ahead. you? Oh, sorry. How can you, or how do you actually go about working with somebody else when you're writing a book, you know, sort of novella, or and I know it's not novel, but who sort of takes the lead, or is it just back and forth, or do you do any planning?
1: Um, I've done it. Uh, well, essentially I've done it four times. Um, and they've all been different. So I don't have like a formula. I've done it where I just wrote, I I pitched a novella, um, years ago to, uh, somebody who asked me if I wanted to write within their world based on their novel. And so I did that and it was nothing that I would have done on myself. So I pitched the thing. I had to do this super extensive outline that I was taught how to do. And then I and then I was I, I wrote the book and then I was paid for it. I don't it's on Amazon. And I don't really talk about it because it's not that I'm ashamed of it, but it's just uh it's not something it's not it's kind of like not me. Um but it was fun. I'm good friends with the the guy that who I did it in in his world, but it's just not my thing. And then I wrote with Terry M. West, and that was more of like a back and forth thing that was very brief because it's only a novelette and i think we went back and forth i think we had like the germ of of an idea and then when i wrote out behind the barn with john Bowden, it was based on a short story that he had written that he had submitted somewhere and it got rejected and then he um sent it to me to read and i said man this is a really good story but i think it needs to be longer and so he sent it out again and it got rejected and then uh He said, well, I'm going to send it out to this other place. I was like, dude, just make it longer. So he tried and it wasn't working. He said he was screwing it up. And so he said he's going to send it out again. I was like, well, I hope it gets rejected because it needs to be, instead of being lost in an anthology somewhere that people read for two months and then it's gone, it needs to be its own book. So um, he's like, and it got rejected again. And he's like, fine, here, you take it. see what you can do with it and then so i started i added a couple thousand words sent it back to him he's like okay yeah and i i uh, and i said well we should add and we added like two three characters and rewrote some things but the beginning of out behind the barn and the end of out behind the barn are kind of like this bowden sandwich like those were remain intact they were barely touched and then everything in the middle we worked together um based on some Ideas that I had that would thicken it up, and we added like maybe I think we added another 15 or 16,000 words to it. It was only like 3,000 words or 3,500 words or something. And then with Tim, we in in, in John and I we mimic each other, and so our prose is fairly similar. He's much more poetic than I am, um, and he uses way more similes than I do, Um, but we can mock each other really, really well. Where Tim and I, our prose is completely different. And so when we had meetings, we were like um, we had this this idea that we were like in basically kind of like an outline, but not really not like a rough kind of outline just in our head about things that we were in, We took notes and then he had sent uh, a chapter that he had written and I rewrote the entire thing and I said, you know what, this isn't going to work like this because our stuff is too different. Why don't you, based on everything that we've created here, um, why don't you start writing like the first draft and then I will go in and revise it and, you know, add stuff or whatever. So he would do that and he'd send me a couple chapters at a time. Sometimes I would take the whole chapter out. Sometimes I would rewrite it. Sometimes I would leave, you know, things in. But that way it was it flowed, and that's normally not done like that, but I've heard of people doing that where they hate they, they outline. One person writes the first draft, the other person does revisions. It's not normal, but, I, um, but it worked for us, And because I'm more of like an alpha kind of like bossy <laughs> <laughs> type of person, you know, and Tim is so laid back, he's like, "Oh, I don't care, man. Yeah, that's cool." Then it worked really well because um because he's like that and he allowed me to be like you know he kept trying to make things supernatural and i'm like no dude no you gotta take that out and i would pull on the reins and stuff and it was a really good working relationship with
3: with tim so i, I noticed when i was looking I was, I was sort of digging around finding stuff out and you've actually you're working with john burden and robert ford on one yeah that would be three of you working on one book well, so we had <laughs>
1: we had started something probably two or three years ago. Uh, we had like this meeting and we came up with a concept. And then uh, Crystal Lake Publishing uh, contacted me last year and said, would you be interested in being in a collection of novellas with two other authors that you choose? And I was like, I already knew immediately Bob Ford and John Bowden because we're all you know we're all friends we all not necessarily write similar but sort of in in same kind of concepts and um so i sent joe meinhardt uh, an email back and i was like yes and i want these guys and he's like perfect so um it's it's kind of like interlocking novellas um the funny thing is we were so we we scrapped our old idea at least put it on the the back burner for for uh, a book that we might do together, but uh, what we were supposed to do is like kind of like work together either on the novellas, the three novellas together, or have them tie in together. Bob didn't under didn't realize that and just hurried up and wrote his novella, and then by the time I was done, because I was working on Cannibal Creator, and then I was like, okay, let's do this. He's like, I already wrote mine, <laughs> and I was like, oh man. So he sent me his and he sent it to John. <laughs> I read his, and then I took one of his characters and I put it in my uh i took one of the characters in his thing, and I put it in my um book, so it's like um yeah, it's kinda it's kind of like um they all don't tell the same story, but they're they're kind of they're like interwoven, hmm. and it's three different books so but it's still like a collaborative project that that
2: sounds you're like on you're
1: on mute, Shane. Unique.
2: Home?
0: Shane, you're mute. He's yeah, I couldn't get it to stop. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, I wouldn't be a show without that happening. Um, that was so exciting, I forgot what I was saying, though.
1: <laughs> I was just talking about the collaborative project with Bob Ford and uh, John Bogan. Oh,
0: yeah. I was just saying all the all of the people you mentioned there that you've worked with, um, and also yourself, of course. But all of those people are extremely talented authors. Um,
1: yeah. Good people. Bowden, too.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Bowden is a favorite. Um, yeah. That guy, I don't think he could fuck up a story if he tried. You know, he's amazing. His, yeah.
1: He's got something yeah. coming out this year that I read last year that's really good. And but I mean that goes without it. Yeah. saying
0: him too i mean dead daughters owned me um he's just a powerhouse you know um in spite of his yeah in spite of his horrific taste in film yes um he's a damn good writer (laughs) 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 so yeah the point there being just simply that all those people that you mentioned people should be reading them as well as you i agree Um, and uh out behind the barn in particular of the books you mentioned is i think absolutely stellar it's perfect Thank you. perfect length um it's a novella that reads like a short story you know so you kind of both got what you wanted there yeah you know mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah
2: so that we was need, all we need to get chad back on when the uh when the book comes out mm-hmm. along with bob and john yeah Oh yeah. yeah,
1: we'd do
0: that. Yeah,
2: that'd be good.
1: That would be a blast, yeah. We'll
2: have
1: we'll have uh we'll have Bob do the reading because man, yeah. that dude can read. He's
2: yeah, really he can. good, isn't he? Really good. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, it, what is it about the emotional aspect of uh horror that attracts you? Like in Foster Homes and Flies yeah. skull face Boy, there just seems to be something about that that it sort of just gets you right in the heart, but you've got the horror alongside it. What is it about that that appeals to you as a writer?
1: I have no idea. <laughs> I, don't <know. laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I just, I'm a really empathetic person. Mm-hmm. I, I worry for people uh, way too much, and I sympathize to a fault and mm-hmm. to where it affects me greatly. And it sucks in real life because I do, I get really bummed. And I'm talking about even mm-hmm. people that I don't know when yeah. I see somebody going through a hard time, man, I just, it'll, it will bum me out if I let it. And, but the, the, the upside of that is I feel that um it, I have, my writing has actually benefited from that and yeah. that I've been oh. able to put myself into the shoes of people who don't really exist, but their scenarios mm-hmm. might out, mm-hmm. outside. And so because um I'm like that, I guess it, I feel like it has helped, but I don't really know. I, I guess, I've learned a lot um in you know in my life and and I've been through a lot and you know we're always learning um we we I'm not as smart as I'm going to be next year you know mm-hmm. from life experience alone and I'm I'm constantly in a search for kind of like um um you know constantly taking self inventory and trying to better myself as a person or a father or a brother, a son, um, husband. So I don't, um, yeah, it's just, it's just something that I do on a regular basis. And I think that every person on the planet, as long as they're still breathing, they absolutely have room for improvement. Uh And so when I'm writing, I, it just, that kind of stuff comes out like little life lessons and, and just feelings that I have about certain things. And, um, I like to watch movies and write books that move me in some way. Mm -hmm. Those are the ones that I like the most. Yeah i'm 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 a fan of um you know of course i love horror it's like my first love but i also like you know movies like the notebook i really like that movie um uh i like emotional music you know i don't i don't i I listen to a lot of punk but i also listen to a lot of jazz and and smooth jazz and um stuff that's uh very moving so i don't really know i guess it just comes out and i can't really help it i guess mm-hmm. i guess that's just me or in my dna i, I don't have an answer i guess i don't know <laughs>
2: that's, that, that's, a, that's an answer that's a really good yeah
0: answer. yeah <laughs> the personality type um that extreme empathy yeah can suck really bad but it really informs yeah. your writing um good example that is the one you mentioned um stirring the sheets uh when i when i read the synopsis to stirring the sheets i was not interested whatsoever in this this (laughs) Lutzky guy and that was the first book I read by you Mm. Uh, um, and what happened was uh, Rich Duncan said, dude, trust me, it's not what you think Um, and and it's must-read material and it, yeah, it's like that'll give you an idea of what empathy can do to make a writer a better better, (laughs) you know, both talent and person, you know (laughs) because I would have never expected to be uh, heartbroken by that
1: book i'm glad you enjoyed it thank you
3: i think that that element feeds into um wormwood as well because as you go through you've got Cass, who's quite she's a strong character and you not likable but Mm -hmm. then later on when it all sort of reaches a certain point you discover the background to her and why she's like that Mm -hmm. and do you think yeah, so you, you you shift the person's viewpoint, their perspective of that person and you, yeah. OK, yeah, she's done something horrible or, or whatever, but we can understand why. It's not an excuse, but it's re- yeah. a reason and it sort of draws out the empathy and the connection with the reader a lot more. And I think that is what I've actually liked about the three books of yours that I've read in the past couple of days, <laughs> <laughs> Bit of a bit of a marathon there. Because they there were sort of stories that I wouldn't normally read, you know, you see Cannibal Creator and Shades mm-hmm. right, You read, you know, I'm going to read this, and I was thinking, oh no. And I read it through, and even though there's less of that emotion in that particular one, you still got it there yeah. with the father and the son. And then you again in Um Foster Homes and Flies, with the characters in there. So in all all of them, there's that little bit of humanity still, I think, that connects with the reader. And that's probably why I'll carry on reading your work. It's it's really good. I enjoyed
1: it. So. Thank you. I think that it, the more humanity we have in something, the more we can relate. And, and for me, anyway, the more, more enjoyable it is. I do. I struggle with um, a suspension of disbelief in some things, and I can't just. There are some books that, or even movies that, I just can't. More not necessarily movies because those i'm just it's only a 90 minute or two hour investment it's not a big deal it's not a six to eight hour investment of reading a book where where books i have a harder time with suspension of disbelief um unless it's either written exceptionally well or the the uh, concept is so original or just i don't know the way that it's written but i've read a lot where i'm just kind of like I'm just not, not buying this. Like if it's it's supposed to be scaring me, it's not scaring me or it's supposed to be doing this and it's just not doing this and it's 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 kind of like um you know the old adage, you know, it's me, it's not you. You know, and so that's kind of there are some people who they're they're they've shut their brain off. They know what they're re, they're getting into and this is the kind of thing that they really enjoy. Um but I think uh yeah, just having that humanity in there for me anyway is what takes it up to a realistic level where i can uh truly experience it the way that um that i would like to
0: there's our silence
2: yes so <laughs> we're looking at each other now, now whose turn is it um yeah, I, I was admiring the background to your website earlier mm-hmm. the shining carpet yeah uh yeah uh, did you pick that because that's a favorite of yours yeah yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, that might be my favorite horror movie. And I, I, yeah, I love that design. I'm a big fan of like retro 70s decor and stuff. So it's like two in one. You know, uh, I love Kubrick. I love uh, his film and I love just the orange and brown and reds of the 70s. It's
2: it's instantly recognizable, isn't it? You just see that and you know exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I I actually watched Doctor Sleep last night for the first time and really enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Even though it, it
2: wasn't as faithful to the book, I thought it, it, was, it was brilliantly done.
1: Yeah, I thought I loved how they tied together Kubrick's vision as well as mm-hmm. uh, King's book so you could appease yes. both, both audiences. Yeah. I, I thought that was great.
2: Yeah, I, I didn't realize that Mike Flanagan had done it because I, I, I missed it when it came out at the cinema. Um, and I just noticed it was on Amazon last night. So I thought, oh, I'll just give this a go. And I was very pleasantly surprised by it.
1: Yeah, I liked it.
2: You you've
0: seen that one, Chine. What's that? Dr. Sleep? Doctor yes. Sleep. Yes, I have. Um sorry, I was looking for an old picture that uh, I remember of of Chad and somebody else in those blue dresses. Um
1: Oh. Yeah, my uh, Paleo Cheese logo.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I I can't find it. I'll I'll bug you for it later. <laughs> Um, yes, I have seen Dr. Sleep, and I was happy to see the way that they actually pulled in those two visions like yeah. that. Um, I, Chad and I are different in that I was not a fan of Kubrick's vision. Um, I mean, I was a fan of the movie. I was not a fan of his interpretation of the novel, um, which is, you know, a contradiction, I guess, but... Um, but yeah, the way they pulled that—you know—they made it the best of both worlds, so that you could, like you say, pull fans yeah. in from both. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, overall, I really enjoyed that. I think that was probably one of my second favorite adaptation of Kings, hmm. or you know, with uh, pets, what, the pets, the
2: original,
0: the original Pet Cemetery.
2: Ah, right, okay.
0: And and the and the made for TV Salem's Lot. I'm a David Soul fan from way back.
3: Oh God, <laughs> man. No skin hunch.
1: <laughs> yeah, I love that. I watched it when it was when it aired. What was that 78, 79? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Me too. It's a good time. That's a great movie, great miniseries.
0: It was absolutely. I forgot it was a miniseries. It's been a long yeah.
1: time.
2: So, 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 what, so what do you look for in a good movie then, Chad? Is it the same what you look for in a book—the something that will move you emotionally when you're watching it? Yeah, um,
1: my all of my books are a pretty good representation of what I love in a movie. I, I like dialogue, uh, dialogue-driven stuff. I like character-driven stuff. I like small cast of characters, um, like uh, isolated settings. Um, and that's pretty much what all of my stuff is. I'm a big fan of like, uh, indie film, uh, like indie drama. Yeah. Um, I, some of my favorite movies are just literally pretty much like just dialogue, you know, like Mark Duplass films. Um, a huge fan of Mark Duplass and his brother, um, or movies like, um, uh, or just, I, I also like quiet horror. Um, you know, or something that's just completely original and has a nice indie feel. It follows, comes to mind for kind of like it has a very indie feel to it. Um, and it's got uh just some cool cinematography in it, and I just like uh yeah, and I like slow burn and quiet quiet stuff too. I'm not a big action guy. I car chases and explosions they really bore me.
2: Yeah. yeah. So it all becomes just like visual wallpaper after a time. It's yeah. Just like it passes in front of you, and you're not really taking any notice of it.
1: Yeah, I'm just not like. I mean, I'll enjoy like a an action film from like the 70s and 80s for the nostalgia of it.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: um, as far as like like all these superhero movies and Marvel, I can't. I don't watch any of that stuff because I don't like it.
0: I don't either. Not uh, I do like uh, old samurai flicks though.
1: Yeah, those can be fun, yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of martial arts stuff, especially old stuff. and
1: Kung Fu Theater, or uh, like, yeah. have you ever seen yeah. the story of Ricky? Ricky O. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's one of my favorites.
0: Like, the minor, you know, the old, like, Seven Samurai and mm-hmm. um, those ones like that. The ones that Sergio Leone did such a great job of ripping off with his spaghetti westerns, you know. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so. it, which, but, in turn, way, Tarantino ripped off
0: yeah uh, exactly you know. <laughs> but uh I, you know ripped off is a, is harsh interpreted as paid
1: matter. homage to was influenced yeah, by paid yeah.
0: was influenced by although um, fistful of dollars and what is it Yohimbo were were uh, pretty much the same fucking movie with you know different actors in them and different locales but <laughs> um sorry I'm a, I'm a nerd about those old films but uh yeah I digress as usual. Um what about uh but speaking of that that was something I was going to ask last time I talked to you and I think uh we got off on a punk rock conversation or something. I believe that's exactly what it was. Um is a uh, foreign film. Do you watch much in that area?
1: Yeah, I'm a big uh um I like Italian I like giallo. Uh, <laughs> Excuse me. And I like, um, I, I, I don't think I've seen a bad foreign film. Um, I've seen some really cool dramas, some really cool horror ones. More more, more recently, in the last couple of years, probably like Terrified was one of my favorite movies. I believe that's a Spanish film. Oh, yeah. yeah. On Shudder. Um, yeah, that's just an amazing movie. And then uh, another one uh, is a movie called November that was on Shudder for a little while. Uh, that was pretty amazing um i don't watch it a lot because like most people i don't want i don't want to sit there and read it but you know mm-hmm. so i kind of have to be in the mood yeah But i yeah i definitely love uh foreign films and and they there's some just some great stuff out there but i also like like when i'm watching italian films i love the sound of a too loud voice that's dubbed over i i just it completes the package for me, you know, and, the, and the, yeah. the footsteps when they walk down the hall, they're way too loud. And, uh-huh. uh, it's just part of the whole aesthetic. And I love that.
0: I forget which one it was. that opens with a ball rolling down these dark concrete stairs. It's a mm-hmm. giallo film. And this ball is like it sounds like a bowling ball dropping <laughs> yeah. off a cliff, you know.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> so do you watch these? foreign films dubbed or with subtitles then
1: um i i prefer like the more low budget ones to be dubbed just like like i said it's part of like the whole package you know
3: yeah. but
1: um if it's i'd rather watch reading if it's a really well made one unless of course they pulled off the the dubbing exceptionally well and you can't really tell
3: yeah cuz mm-hmm. i watch a lot of um sort of scandi well there's walter presents on um, more four over here it's a streaming service I don't know whether you get it over there but he, Walter presents is a lot of world drama and he does all these um thrillers and all sorts and I, I watch a lot of the Scandi stuff and it's all subtitles I used to hate subtitles but now I read them and it's like the words vanish. if mm. if it's dubbed it's horrible I can't watch anything that's dubbed it's, it's mm. if, it, if it's dubbed well
2: it's fine but it's it's when it's dubbed awfully
3: I've never seen anything dubbed well <laughs> Yeah.
0: See, I'm just, the worse it is dubbed, the better, the happier I am, actually. With those, like, old Bruce Lee films, yeah. I would yeah. much rather those be dubbed than than subtitled. Badly.
1: Dubbed badly, yeah.
0: Exactly, you know, where he talks for five minutes and says, asshole.
1: Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. His mouth's still moving. Exactly. <laughs> yep.
2: did, you, did, did you watch Did you watch The Chestnut Man on Netflix? That was dubbed.
1: I haven't. Yeah. I haven't seen that, but I oh, did yeah, see I, someone...
2: I saw that. It had subtitles. Oh, I think yeah, you... you can. I think I, th- I. think you can choose. I watched it Sometimes with the dub. And the was really good. Yeah. Like you didn't notice that it, they. They weren't speaking. You know. They oh, I,
3: I kept the subtitles on. I didn't watch the the dub. Yeah. I've got used to the accent and trying to learn the language. I
1: saw it's a curious. couple. Of... Sorry, go ahead, Jane. No, no, you
0: you spoke a split second first
1: <laughs> uh, I, I was just going to say I, I saw a couple movies recently that were in English but the accents were so thick I end up having to put the subtitles on one was called I think it was called Bloody Hell it's like a vampire movie a newer one for either I think it was Shudder original and then another one was a really good movie called um uh, something like uh, what is it called Coming Home in the Dark I think is what it's called very good and uh, yeah w- the accents are a little thick so I had to turn the subtitle on
3: yeah, it does West, depend which bit of West Region written. or something <laughs> Geordie, <laughs> Newcastle or Scouse
0: <laughs> yeah, the funny thing is though is that I watch so much foreign film that I barely even notice the subtitles anymore it's like yeah. you you, catch, you get to after a while to where you're actually picking up you know, well, especially with certain languages, um, when I like Indonesian films, Korean films, Spanish films, I barely even see the subtitles in those films anymore because um, I watch so many of those. Um, but uh, there's no. Yeah, I've, been,
1: whatsoever that. <laughs> I've been teaching my. I've been trying. I've been teaching myself Spanish uh, for the past Ooh. week. I've been spending like an hour and a half, two hours a day um, on it. Right on. I've always wanted to learn another language.
0: That one in particular is just an exceptionally beautiful language yeah. as far as the romance languages go.
1: Yeah.
2: Don't you have a book coming out from um Delatando this month?
1: Chad, yeah, well? yeah, yeah, I do. Fox is flies. Fox flies? Yep. Mm-hmm.
2: I thought it's that. Yeah. So you're learning Spanish so you can read your own book in
1: Spanish? <laughs> Not necessarily. That would be <laughs> interesting, wouldn't it? <laughs> Yeah. That that's also um uh it was supposed to come out in Italian too, but the the publisher couldn't withstand against COVID and they they went under recently. It's real oh, sad. Oh, yeah.
0: That is really sad. Um and yeah, I'm not gonna go any farther with that, because that's
3: really sad. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Mm. So what,
2: um, what what does Letsky do when he's not writing or watching movies
3: or learning languages
2: or,
1: or reading <laughs> uh um I I watch movies and uh TV shows everything from three's company old 70s stuff to new stuff but um I also am a musician so I play guitar and lately I've been finally learning how to utilize all of my home recording stuff so i was thinking of um i just recorded a song recently and i'm supposed to be working with you guys know who jason cavallero is
2: mm-hmm.
1: okay i'm supposed to be working with him remotely he's a great drummer and i have um uh, you know drum ability to use you know all kinds of drums in, in the home recording stuff but um I've always wanted to work with someone remotely, you know. Um so we're supposed to be doing something and the first song that I wrote um I just actually I was working I've been working on it for the last couple of weeks, but I was doing some finishing touches today and I'm thinking of making a soundtrack for one of my own books. Mm. And um also thinking of doing something special with it later on uh with tim and and something that we're doing but i don't know yet it's still kind of a learning curve i'm still learning some stuff but i'm I'm really happy with um what's how easy it was for me to um use this this software that i have and everything it's been really it's been really cool i've recorded before but it's always been like um you know i've recorded from four track eight track 24 track you know in bands in the past you know where it's like a studio type setting but never true like home recording like through a computer or anything and it's easier than i thought and so i'm probably it's probably going to be taking up a lot of my time and before covid i had a regular gaming group that met every weekend and we would play uh these crazy european board games and and um the kinds that have the kinds that have a million pieces on the table and and uh that, that give you headache when you're trying to play um, because the <laughs> rules are so advanced. I love that kind of stuff.
0: But Do you find, um,
1: sorry. I was just going to say that we've only met once um, in the past two years and uh, um, since COVID and that sucks because we were meeting every year for nearly a decade or every weekend for nearly a decade.
0: Yeah. I remember when the last time I talked to you, you were still doing that just barely. I think that was right yeah. toward the towards the beginning of that no I was curious how, how long you've been a musician um, because I, I was wondering like I find sometimes I get frustrated when I'm recording now because we used to go in and rent studio time to do mm-hmm. some of the same to do some of the same stuff I can literally boot up my computer and do now mm-hmm. you know yeah. <laughs> I mean the sound mixing and stuff is kind of like um, um, we spent a lot of money on that stuff to have you know entire buildings dedicated (laughs) to our shitty music you know
1: yeah and these computers they can make it sound better than a lot of that Mm -hmm. stuff back in the day i mean as far as like uh, you know not like super professional stuff but as far as like um probably what you're talking about like this on a smaller scale uh, studio that we yeah then then the computers can make it and and simple you know yeah i mean i've got I've got a whole slew of dipor- uh, distortion pedals in or or all, all kinds of pedals, you know, delay and and phase shifter yeah. and fuzz in in just in that thing, and that's just for guitar.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, which is pretty much all I play is guitar. Mm-hmm. But um, but when you start um, using samplers and things, suddenly you play you play a lot of instruments you don't actually play. You know?
1: <laughs> yeah, I haven't messed around with that. I just, I, I've been, I'm a guitarist, and I've got a bass, and if you know how to play guitar, you can you can play. Yeah. Uh, you might not be slapping around like and stuff, but you can play a bass just fine yeah. if you yeah. know how to play guitar. So, um, yeah, and um, so I've just laid uh, vocals and guitar and bass down and then used uh, available drums and trying to figure out, you know, fills and, and just... Uh, the bars and and how all of that is set up that which is taken up most of the time other than just trying to get you know vocals down right to where my
0: yeah yeah um i'm uh that's i that's my power instrument really is my vocals but i have but i'm just horribly self-conscious about them yeah
1: Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people are
0: Yeah. yeah but anyway that's a total digression i was interested in that though if you uh had noticed that you know sometimes i get really frustrated at that okay well why couldn't it be this could have been this easy and cheap back when i was you know
1: 17 and you mm-hmm. know um thought <clears throat> oh of, if i was of, yeah if i yeah. was seven, eight, i would be i would oh man i would have all yeah. kinds of stuff because everything that i recorded back in the day is on cassette yeah you know? yes yeah. i haven't been in a band in, in quite a while
0: yeah same <laughs> um we had some stuff on cassette and we had some stuff on reels too um in actual cans <laughs>
1: nice <laughs> yeah real real is like the best way man. analog yeah.
2: mm,
0: it sounds yeah. like. way way better
2: you do realize that the people listening to this that are going
3: i don't know what they're talking about <laughs> <laughs> should have brought my son in here. Here's the musician. There's <laughs> all the home Sorry. recording and everything. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's,
0: it's a nerd thing.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I just listen to it or watch the videos. I was watching a video um just before I joined the call, actually, Mushroom Head's latest, and it's a really creepy horror thing. It's a, I can't remember what it was called, Requiem for Tomorrow. And if you get to watch that, have a look at that, because I, I don't watch too many horror films. I'm not one of those who watches films. I read more. I do watch some of the films, but I love a lot of the metal um, videos. And I think you can get more out of those actually in those few minutes than you can out of a lot of the horror films. I mean, Behemoth, they do some brilliant videos, as say Mushroom Head as well. So I, I go there to sort of watch for a bit and tune out. <laughs> no, it goes quiet.
0: <laughs> Sorry.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I think we just have been... little musical interludes here. We should play something.
2: Yeah, well, it's just right. that we're, we're so fine at speaking over each other sometimes that we just sometimes yeah. have this sort of pause to let somebody come in and then everybody's doing the same thing and then... It's just this
3: like tumble me going across the yeah. screen. <laughs> just wave, wave hands at each other. Yeah. I, I, I want sorry. I want to go back to cannibal creator a minute. Cool. And and I, I'm not gonna go into it too much because otherwise it's spoilers. But the idea that people can experiment in a way on others, how real do you think that is or Do you think something like what you wrote about could actually be happening these days somewhere?
1: Um, I mean, we have sex trafficking. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I guess. I mean, that my scenario, totally, you know, maybe not. But I mean, sex trafficking is is pretty close. You know, you've got people that are just it's like they're um, people treat them like cattle, like guinea pigs, Mm -hmm. like they were born to screw some rich guy. And that's it you know, that's, that's why they're on the planet. That's why they're still breathing is because they, they have, you know, genitalia that somebody wants. And so, uh, uh, sorry, that sounds grim, but it's true. And, And it's a, it's a huge problem. Um, so I mean, yeah, sort of that in, in a different kind of way that's going on, you know, where they're isolated and that's just, that's their life. And, and, uh, I mean, I, I know that, uh, within, um, There have been some instances where children have been born and started to become raised within whether it be a cult or whether it be um, because this, you know, girl's being held against, you know, since she was young against her will. And now her kid, now she's pregnant, she has a kid, now the kid's being raised. Um, There's probably, yeah, I'm sure there's more of that kind of stuff that goes on. Uh, then we know, as far as eating people, I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of a weird experiment. <laughs> but.
0: but I mean, it's kind of like, uh, kind of like super sol- super soldier syndrome. You know, um, mm. we know that in the past, the government has, has of many countries has experimented with trying to alter um, human, even human
1: biology. Yeah. you never know. I even heard yeah. something. I, I can't i can't remember exactly what was going on but i heard that uh that um the when the whole roswell thing was going on that um at the time they were something about having deformed children going up into these uh weather balloons for experiments like kids that nobody wanted because they were deformed and um and that when they found an alien or whatever, that's actually what it was, but that the government was like, well, hey, they think it's an alien, let's just let them think it's an alien. Yeah.
0: You know? Yeah. Better than better than them thinking we're abusing children.
1: <laughs> yeah. Now, I don't... It's it, it was something that I heard once. I didn't really retain it that yeah. well, but I thought, wow, that's really grim. Yeah, yeah, Using,
0: Um. Yeah, it is really grim. And you think about... You think about it, um, those, you know, people, um, disabled people, there was a time when they were extremely, um, extremely disposable in our society.
1: Yeah, and apparently this was, yeah, one of those times.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, of course, all the government needs to know is that nobody's going to come looking for you and you're disposable, you know. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, in my fantasies, that's not. I don't think that's real or anything. Yeah. <laughs> No. Nah. Um but
2: Yeah but so going, going going back to eating people, is twenty twenty two the year Silent Green was supposed to take place. I don't know. <laughs> is it yeah I think I think it was. I
0: don't
2: I don't think we've quite got to that stage yet, but <laughs> who knows by the end of twenty twenty two what joys it will have for us.
3: Um, yeah, yeah, solution you... to overpopulation. That's we
2: just eat dry people and eat them,
3: yes. <laughs> I think I've got a few stories like that somewhere. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it is, it's, it was the year 22, you're right, Bev.
3: There
2: you go. Wow. I don't know why I just remembered that gem of information.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Perfect timing, Jet. <That's> <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, personally, I have to say, you know, you were talking about the difference on before... I forget to mention this about the difference on covers, um, Mm -hmm. that you, you know, you had an artist who wanted 800 bucks. So you, you've made it sound kind of like, so I made do, but you did a lot better than make do. I mean, I saw, I saw that cover and I was like, okay, this is, this is the cover of one of those old Italian films that you were talking about.
1: Yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I'm happy with it. I, I like it, um, Mm -hmm. It's just I wasn't sure it was something that, you know, like I said, um, when I'm writing a book, I can tell, OK, I can create this tone. I'm going to mm-hmm. be able to do this cover. And I wanted something that was, looked more like um, like a painting um, or something. And, yeah. and, you know, and I had a certain artist in mind. And, uh, yeah, I just couldn't uh, not to say they wouldn't be worth it, but I, I just couldn't. Mm-hmm you know i i that would take forever to make my money back probably on on that covers so i just decided to and that's usually what i do i don't i don't have necessarily a full vision of a cover i usually grab stuff jump into photoshop just start screwing around and experimenting and stuff sometimes i have you know kind of like an idea and um but or or an idea that i know i can't pull off that um <clears throat> Yeah, but something that's a little bit more abstracty, I'm comfortable with doing. I don't, and I don't ever want them all to look the same. I, there's something about me that I don't, I don't like the idea that when someone looks at a book cover of mine, they know it's my book just at a uh-huh. glance. Uh-huh. I want them to have to see my name so that they know it's different than this other book. And so I try to, uh, yeah, make them not, not use all the same tips and tricks on on, on uh, Photoshop. That's just yeah. me. I mean, some people like that, you know, they, it's because it's part of their brand, you know, yeah. same yeah. same font for their name and stuff. I mean, and but uh, and that's probably the better idea, smarter, wiser business idea. But I just don't do that.
2: I mean, you, I you, you, you can do that if you're indie, but it's more difficult. If you're published by a small press or a bigger press, isn't it to say, I want this font for my name because they've got their own vision of how they want it to be.
1: Probably. Yeah. Like Stephen King, he used the same font for a long time Mm -hmm. on his on his book covers for years.
0: That's something, you know, it's kind of interesting, too, when you start talking about the little. Little. um aspects of the business that nobody ever thinks of as a writer you know mm-hmm. like me, i never thought about you know um that i would ever even be thinking about what i would want in a cover because i always assumed that was 100 percent way outside of an author you know and then people start talking about you know i always figured you know that's something a publisher's always gonna do and you don't yeah. get a say um
1: well, probably the bigger ones for sure mm-hmm. um, fortunately i the the small presses that i have been able to work with uh, or have worked with like crystal lake or silver shamrock thunderstorm um, they've all been like what do you want you know and and it's like uh, you know like what artists do you want and then i work with mm-hmm. the artists and they're like what do you want and so and i get really <clears throat> i and maybe it's because i'm an artist myself but i get really i i must annoy um I've only really worked with one other artist uh like as far as like something outside of uh photo manipulation. Um Zach M- McCain who did out behind the barn in the pale white uh-huh. and uh the same deep water as you and uh Halo Flies, one of the Thunderstorm Limiteds. And with him I'm just like I draw something and I'll have arrows saying um fade this, more light here, this is orange, this is purple. You know, I want this here, here. And I get this really detailed thing instead of like, do your thing. You know, you're a great artist, do your thing. I'm very, you mm-hmm. know, and, and I've told before, I, I was like, uh, dude, I probably drive you crazy, don't I? With my whole like, this is what I want. I have a vision. <laughs> but um, I am going to be working with an artist soon for a book that's coming out in June that I've never worked with before. And uh, I don't know what kind of, uh, you know, how much say I'm going to have. But I have already been put in contact, and we're going to be working together. So um, I at least am going to be having some uh, some say. But yeah, I've really I've really been blessed with with the fact that. And I don't know if it's because these publishers looked at other covers of mine and says I like those. He can he knows what he's talking about or something, or if they're just um or if it's part of me, you know, asking about it. But that would be hard to do to like just have mm-hmm. it in someone else's hands especially if they give you your book back <laughs> all this hard work and you just hate the cover and you
2: hate the cover oh god it's yeah. like what you get this beautiful story and it's like i hate that cover
1: yeah <laughs> that would that would bum me out
0: i like to believe that the cover
1: doesn't matter
0: but um it does, it does. so much so incredibly yeah. much
1: it's got to um, set a tone and it's yeah. got to say something about what you're getting into and yeah.
3: Yeah, I've had um, Keelan Patrick Burke. He's done my three. I think the last one for Pause that's just coming out. That was the one where they asked for not more input from me than they had before. Before it was just they sent me the cover. What do you think? You know, do you like mm-hmm. it? And I said yes. This time it was they've formalised it a bit more. So it's what give it us synopsis, what's it's about. Give us some ideas. So I did that, and he pretty much came up with what I had in my head. And so he's he's really good. He came really, in brilliant.
2: Really, he did a little bones for me, and like I say, you just give him this idea, and he just runs with it and says, "Here you are." And you go, "Wow, that's really good." <laughs>
1: yeah, he did um, the cover for Wormwood. The the uh, not the Thunderstorm Nightworms edition, but the the one that's out right now. He did, mm-hmm. and he did uh, a cover for us, and we. You know, we were like, nah, and then we gave a little bit more information of what we were looking for, and then he gave us the one that we have, and we like we like that a lot.
0: Keelan's uh, Keelan's a good, uh, a talented cover artist, and uh, and he's
1: it's great, writer, really, yeah. really yeah.
0: fast, really mm-hmm. fast. Um, yeah, and he wrote uh, one of my favorite, uh, I guess you'd call it uh, exploit exploitation horror novels ever. Um, in the form of Ken I loved no, that I, novel yeah it was a good book yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah I, liked I it did too. I, again that was one I didn't think I'd like mm-hmm. I reading it and I thought oh this could be a bit too extreme for me but I just loved it yeah
3: I did too um I've hovered over it until shall I get it yes, ready, yet. get it Steph you'll
2: really enjoy
3: it
0: I yeah, think yes
2: if you can say really enjoy it you know what I mean yeah, yeah, there's a certain bit I'm not going to say anything about, but <laughs> I know everybody
3: knows.
1: Yeah, everybody knows. Yeah, <laughs> the
3: next time I see you all. We go, well, that certain bit, yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh,
0: just it was a warm and cozy bit, so it's nothing to yeah. that
2: would that that would make a great movie,
0: yeah, it would. Um, but he, he, uh, all he did um real quick and i'll stop with the digression again um he uh did uh i firmly believe that it was his um original mock-up of the cover of rue that finally pushed alan baxter over the edge and got him to write that novel that
1: novella yeah i remember him posting <laughs> that and then uh then Alan like just jumped on it and wrote it like right away. Didn't he? Yeah. Oh man,
0: it took him. Yeah. He he, like two days later, he DM would me and said, I'm on a train. I'm slightly drunk and I'm writing about you in this book. (laughs) 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 And then it was like, he got home and he said, okay, first draft is done. It's like, are you kidding me? (laughs) Wow. Yeah.
1: That's a great cover.
2: And then they did one with a possum, didn't they? Yeah. Stephanie, Right, right, back, right
1: big? Yeah. Yeah, those are those are funny. Those are great. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All for charity too. It was pretty cool. Or at least the first one was. Or maybe no, everything after was. The first one wasn't. That's right. Baxter has no heart. <laughs> 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 um but uh so I I keep coming back to this. I haven't mentioned it yet, but, um, is there anything you can tell us specifically about the other books coming out this year? Um, I know there are contract issues and things.
1: I think so. Um, well, you know, the, the one thing is coming out with, uh, the three novellas with myself, Bowden and Ford. And I think that that will be late summer, but I'm not sure. And that's through crystal Lake. Um, Uh, I have a short story collection coming out through Silver Shamrock. I think that that's been announced. If it hasn't been announced, I think they announced that they were putting out like three or four other peoples.
2: I think I've seen a tweet something to that. Yeah. Yeah. And then
1: um, I have, I did one of the Westerns last year. So that's, that will be out uh, in the middle of the year. One of the, splatter westerns one of the ones with the really badass covers on them
2: yeah
1: yeah through dusthead press i don't know if an official i did see my name on some kind of announcement that showed authors that were going to be having those westerns out this year but uh i just stumbled across it somehow it was never shared with me or i was never tagged in it so i'm assuming that i can say something
2: we know about it now
1: yeah and i hope (laughs) to have the neon owl book too uh, out, um, those are a lot of fun to write and people enjoy that. I I just need to find my humorous crime noir audience mm, for yeah. those.
0: Um, I'm all I'm all over that book. The first one was just absolutely delightful. Um, it was fun. You know, yeah, creating uh, creating an enigma around a, the particular subject that you used a lot in that book was a lot of fun you know
1: yeah i i'm hoping that it was you know and it's in it's in the synopsis in the back but then the book gets dark you know and then it turns into a full murder yeah. mystery and then that yeah. that other stuff is you know on the wayside and i'm hoping if i have this series that people don't put the book down at the be, at the be, you know a quarter of the way <laughs> through the first book and go oh man I'm, what is this i going to read this yeah. potty humor through all these things that's not really like that though just the one little one little mini case
0: and that can be said anytime I think really in my experience my neighbor has music going um, in my experience um, sorry my brain is such that if I get distracted I lose everything that was in it Um, so I lost it. it it couldn't be good music
2: we <laughs> can, can just hear it very faintly, so don't yeah. worry about it. It's not it's not disturbing. Yeah, I right
1: really hear it at all. <laughs> Good.
2: Yeah. Um, you, you've written an incredible amount of short stories, Chad. But I was amazed when I looked on your website and yeah. there's the list there, like yeah, dozens of them.
1: Yeah, I, I have some. Some of those are coming out this year too. I got some. I don't really uh, submit much anymore. It's mainly invite stuff. But um there is one got my sticky note. There's a there's one that's that uh, I really want to get in, so I am gonna submit to that. And then there's a couple uh invites that I accepted that I'll that I think will be out this year. I think like late late this year. Right on.
0: Um yeah. the more the more Chadletsky Stories in the world, that happier everybody will be. I think. No. Oh, shoot. Um. Thanks. Before I forget, is that is this your first um collection, the short story collection?
1: Yeah, it'd be my third.
0: Third? Okay. Yeah. I yeah. was just looking through. We
1: went out in 2014, and then uh, put one out in is it 2019? I think.
0: Twenty. Yeah, yeah. And there's every every possibility that I read it. my mind you know my mind is a sieve
3: seeing all that all the all the output that you've you've got there what advice or reassurance would you give a younger you from where you are now if you went back to the beginning of your writing what words of wisdom do you think you'd have for yourself at the start of that journey um
1: yeah good question probably just write more i mean if we're talking about the beginning of my writing if we're talking about before that i would have said start writing a long time ago because i didn't even start reading until i was like 24 25 i couldn't stand books i just i read magazines and that was it and um you know fangoria and music magazines and Mm -hmm. stuff but as far as books i had no interest um i wish i would have so i it feels like i still have catching up to do with like with my peers because they've read, you know, this and I mean, I like I said, I'm 52 next month, and I just read it recently. You know, I haven't read The Girl Next Door. I'm scared to read that. So that's why I've I haven't not read that. that either. <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: yeah, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, authors that I've just never read. I'm reading Dracula right now for the first time. So I feel like there's a lot of catching up to do. Um, but I would I would probably just say write, write more. Don't like when you get excited for that first story and you you sell it or, or whatever you know don't float on that cloud you get right back in there because yep. i t- i tend to do that sometimes like if i finish a book and it's coming out i notice my my writing slows because i start paying more attention to you know as i'm getting tagged on instagram and, mm-hmm. and twitter and facebook and stuff which is awesome but then it becomes this like obsession of You know, this attention, and I I need to be focusing on the next thing so that it can keep the cycle going. So, I would just, yeah, stay focused and keep writing because the month is going to end, and you could either be done with the book or you could have barely written anything. Mm. So, Mm. stay focused and and, um, be proud of yourself by the time the the months end that, that you have accomplished so much.
0: that's good advice too because there's a there are personality types like the first thing i did that sold um i totally robbed myself of momentum because i did that very thing i stopped you know i didn't i didn't jump right back in i paid attention to you know it because part of it is i mean we're writers any of us says we don't like attention we're probably lying to at least some degree (laughs) you
1: Mm -hmm. know
0: we wouldn't be doing this but um I got so caught up in the fact that I actually published a fucking story that I t- was completely focused on what was done and not what was yet to be done. Uh, and uh,
1: you know, it's, um, a, it's a strange cycle with, with mm-hmm. that liking the attention because you can like it and then uh-huh. say, well, it's encouraging me and it's giving me encouragement. And that, right. that feels that feels the same as well, I'm not writing because I'm doing this research for this historical thing I'm doing. And so you've been researching for a month. It's like you're you're yeah. not getting any you know I'm reading a how to write, you know, this genre genre and how to do this and I'm reading doing all this research, I'm watching westerns, I'm I'm reading westerns. I'm like, "Well, you maybe should stop doing that and just just so it's, it's it. part of that same kind of thing it's like you think uh-huh. you're doing something and getting things done and you're not doing anything not
2: right getting the words on the page yeah so, and, so, and, so what, was, what was the book that made you fall in love with reading then chad
1: um i don't know that uh i don't know i i think the first time that i started to actually give it you know, reading a shot i think i read uh I was reading Books of Blood, Clark, uh, Barker's Books of Blood, and they had just come out. Um, and then... Um, actually, that was short stories. That's why I started reading that, because I read a couple and then I read Survivor Type by Stephen King and that was like in the 80s. And then I wouldn't read, read for another maybe eight years, but I think maybe Boy's Life, because my, my dad kept talking to me about it. He's like, you gotta check out this book, Boy's Life, and he he kept talking about uh, in the 80s when he was trying to get me to read he kept talking about Splatterpunk. He's like, you gotta read you gotta read um, this guy named John Skip. He's new and his, mm-hmm. and you gotta read this guy Lansdale. And he was throwing these names at me, you know, in like around 84, 85, 86 um, and the Splatterpunk thing was new and my dad is a huge gore hound, you know and, and we were always like looking for the goriest movies we could find and, and watch the movies but he would read. He was an avid reader so he would try to get me turned on to all of this stuff. And so I started with short stories and it was probably In the Hills, the Cities by Clive Barker that I was like really blown away by something that that I read. And then as far as novel, probably Boy's Life, because uh, I, I was, I've always been a fan of coming of age, but I'd never read um, any of it. Um And that was the first time that I'd read something like that. And so or The Body, I listened to it on audio tape in the 80s. I remember that. But um, and then I read Catcher in the Rye and I lost all hope for good coming of age um, because I did not mm-hmm. like that at all I'm one of those who kind of despise that whiny book but some people <laughs> like it
3: I find it depressing that one I just thought no <laughs> it's just <laughs> too much bitching book.
0: yeah <laughs> uh, that's one of the ones that uh, I'm lacking in. I have not read it
1: I want to read it again because it was so long ago that I read it. I'm, I'm, you know, I didn't have kids, didn't have a family. And I'm wondering if, uh, I would look at it different, but probably not. I'd probably be even more irritated to just listen to this kid Mm complain through the whole book. Yeah.
3: Yeah. As a parent, you do get irritated. (laughs) Um, I was irritated with Harry Potter for a long time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, i read every single page of every single one of those books um by force because i had because i had young readers in my house but
1: you uh, you hate read them
0: uh, yeah exactly because I, <laughs> I had to read them to my daughters every night before bed so it was uh, it was a pleasant ritual and it was also annoying as fuck because i hated those books
1: uh, yeah i'll tell you what man <laughs> i i miss so much reading to my kids they're all older yeah. you know my youngest yeah. is 17, so I, I really miss that.
0: Yeah, um, my youngest just turned 25, I think. Yeah, so it it, it does, you do miss it. Um, and then the grandkids, um, because you're older, your grandkids grow twice as fast as your kids did. Yeah. So
2: I can watch that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: I haven't read to any of them yet, but I mean, yeah. I have three of them, so. It's amazing,
0: isn't it? You suddenly look around and go, who the fuck just called me Grandpa? What the hell? (laughs) Yeah,
1: makes me feel old, for sure.
0: Yeah, or walk into a shop and, would you like the senior discount today, sir? Uh, (laughs) Would you like to fuck off and die? I mean, yes, but... (laughs)
3: I'm not a grandparent yet, but I am a great aunt and I think great aunt actually sounds older than an oh, like yeah. that. Uh-huh. that sounds very
2: Dickensian, doesn't
0: it? it? Does, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, my, my wife is a great grandma. I'm not well yeah, I mean it goes without saying I'm not a great anything, but <laughs> uh Chad, um anyway, uh we're at babble mode now. It is uh time to let the two british ladies turn back into pumpkins it's about 10:30 there i think
2: oh yes wow. nice, yes
0: so uh i will let you get on with what is evening for you now and Great. um i appreciate you being here uh highly 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 recommend cannibal creator highly Thank recommend you. virtually everything else that uh you've put out there as well thanks uh, So, yeah, if you guys haven't read Chad Lutzky, do unfuck that. Uh, Same with Beverly Lee and Stephanie Ellis. They are both incredible authors, and you really, really, really do want to read them. Um, That's all for me.
1: Anything from anyone else? No, just Shane, Bev, Steph, thanks for uh, hanging out and inviting me on here. Yeah, Yeah. fabulous Chad. best wishes for all of you i don't shane i don't know if you have anything come out this year but i know that that they do so yeah. I, I best wishes on anything that's released this year
2: Oh, thank you, I Jeff. Thank thank you. Jeff.
0: Okay. um i have stuff coming out in chiral mad five or chiral mad five okay great so like three poems and then you know i, I hope to publish a whole bunch more this year but you know we'll see um, and uh, yeah, thanks for being here. Um, thank you. We will talk to you. I'll, I'll we'll talk to you next week, Chad.
1: Okay, it's our, it's our
0: <laughs> tradition. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks right. a lot, you guys.
2: Okay, okay then. See ya. bye. Thanks, bye. bye.
0: bye. bye. bye.